been a little while since I've uh, since I've taught here at TNT, so I'm really really looking forward to it. I'll give you guys a little bit of background on myself um, in case you're curious, and if you're not curious, just bear with me for a minute. But I grew up in uh, in Connecticut in a Christian home, Christian family, really solid church. Um, my parents and a few other families helped start, and. Um, So I grew up in this, in this church. I knew uh, from an early age I wanted to serve God somehow, but I didn't know, I didn't know how. And uh, just for you who are thinking about your futures, I had no idea that I would be in pastoral ministry at, at all when I was uh, growing up. Um, so, but I wanted to you know, serve God. I had a heart for, for ministry and stuff like that. And um, I was a musician growing up. I started in fourth grade playing the trumpet. I started before that playing the piano. My mom's a musician. She was our church pianist for decades. Uh, she taught piano lessons, so I had free lessons at home. But you know, when you add that left hand, I just quit. And then I'd start again, and then it'd get hard, and I'd quit again. I still, to this day, wish I had stayed with it. So just for the record, if you have opportunity for piano lessons and you quit because it's hard, you'll regret it when you're older, because I do. Um, but anyway, I was a musician growing up, and, uh, but I decided when I went to college, that I'd like to be a teacher. And so I plan to be a teacher. Um, you know, I, I love teenagers. I actually like you guys. Uh, I like hanging out with teenagers. So I wanted to be a, a teacher, so I decided to be a math teacher. But again, I had a heart for seeing, uh, for being involved in ministry. Um, and so I started playing guitar in my freshman year, and then this opportunity came up that God just kept opening these doors of opportunity to get involved in worship ministry. There was this one group that traveled around to different churches, and they led in worship a, student, a group of students from, from my college. Uh, it was a Christian college, and this was one of the ministry teams. And so I, I joined it, and it was just like a light bulb went on. I was like, this, if, I could, if I could just have a chance to help lead people in worship, to, to not point them to myself, but to point them to Jesus... Like, that would be the most awesome thing ever. Like, it's, it's sort of like a dream come true, but I didn't know it was a dream until it came true. And I was like, this is my dream. Uh, does that make sense? Okay. So it, it was, uh, I started getting involved in worship ministry. And so, but I still was a math major, you know. I had my pocket protector and my calculator. And, and I, I went to, um, so, so I went to apply for a math teaching job. And I ended up getting a teaching job at a Christian school. It's okay. We can, we can move on. Um, so, thanks, Delaney. So I went into this interview, this job interview. Can you guys imagine what a job interview is like? You know, you're, you're just checking it out. They're checking you out. They're saying, you know, do you really want to teach math here? And then the person who was interviewing me said, you know what we really need is somebody to help at this Christian school leading chapel music. I thought, okay, yeah, I could do that. And then he said, you know what we really need, too, is our church needs somebody to lead the worship and music team on Sundays. And so just coming out of college, I started getting involved in that. Uh, so God really just kept opening those doors. So uh, one, of, one of the experiences I had early on in college is that kind of affirmed this direction for me. Uh, we had this, this chapel on campus, and we had this, this evening of worship. And I stayed after by myself. Have you guys ever been in like one of those beautiful old churches that really echoes a lot? So it was this reverberant church that I had a guitar, and I just stayed all by myself, and I just started pouring out my heart to God, singing praise to him just by myself, just playing the guitar. And, uh, and it turns out the next day I got this note from somebody who said, you know, you, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I was sitting in the balcony that night 
um, when you were just worshiping God. And she told me how much it meant to her. Like she said, it was, it was such an important time of prayer and worship for her. And I was like, wow, this is, it was very affirming to me that this was not only I had a heart for worshiping God, but a heart to see others worship God. And so that's how I, um, that's one of the big steps, one of the big milestones in how I got involved in that. So I did a little math um, to figure out, uh, it's interesting, so I started as leading worship back then when I graduated from college. To, to today, my best calculation is I've led or planned services for about 1,450 Sundays since then, um, about 650 chapel services, about 200 TNTs um, since I've been here, and a bunch of other things. So best I can figure, I've, play, I've picked songs for about two to 3,000 worship services. Um, that's pretty crazy when I, when I kind of sat down and calculated that. And I don't say that with any pride in my heart, like, look how great I am, because I'm very, very thankful. You know, every, it, if my life could be spent making a big deal about Jesus, then I'm good with that. And that's what I think, think worship services are about. They're about making a big deal about Jesus and not pointing people to me, but pointing them to him. So that's kind of been a, a big part of my life, obviously. And I hope for the rest of my life, I get to just continue to point people to him and make a, make a big deal of him. So over these few weeks, what we'll be covering uh, tonight is what is worship? Next week, we'll talk specifically about how do we worship. Is there a, a right way and a wrong way to worship? I hope you come back for that because the, the answer might be surprising to you. Did you know there's actually a wrong way to worship and there is a right way to worship? We'll talk about that next week. little teaser. Week after that, we'll talk about why do we worship. In other words, what are the good things that happen when we worship? And there's a whole bunch of stuff going on when we worship. Some of it we can see and some of it we can't see. And we'll look in the Bible and see what, what it says about that. And then we want to plan just a unique time, a uh, night of worship for the 31st, where we can participate and maybe do more than just, uh, just a couple of songs, have some songs and prayers and scripture readings, and uh, it'll be just a unique time for, for, uh, for TNT to have a night of worship. So hopefully these next few weeks will help lay the groundwork for, uh, for what we'll be doing on that night. So I hope you can be here for all of these. All right, so... Talking about worship, I think the best place to start is talking about God. So let's, let's think about what happened before uh, Genesis 1. Let's think about what is God up to? What, what is God doing? Let's think before Genesis 1. What do you guys know about the universe before Genesis 1 starts? Okay, not too much. I agree. But what, was there nothing? What was there? Okay, well, we can imagine that. There was God. Do, do we all agree that God is eternal, has always existed? He didn't create himself. He didn't spontaneously. Uh, God, by definition, is the one who always was and always is and always will be. So, yeah, in, etern in eternity past, God is eternal. He existed. Now, let's think about what we know about God uh, from the scriptures. One of the things that we've pieced together from the scriptures is that God is a trinity. That is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit united together, three persons in one God. There's not three gods, and there's not one person. There's three persons, one God. Blows our mind, I know, but it's true. And scriptures support this, and this has been Orthodox Christian belief for, for millennia. 
So God is triune, perfect community, perfect relationship, perfect love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the three persons of God love one another perfectly and have perfect unity. So one of the eternal things in our universe, older than rocks and trees and older than anything, older than the universe, older than the stars, is perfect, loving, uni unified relationship. Because that's a part of God's character. That's who he is. And he's, he has always been that. So that's really important just to think about. When we talk about worship, that's a place to start, is who is God and what did he have? Genesis 1 comes along, and we open our Bibles to Genesis 1, and it says, in the beginning, God, what's the next word? Created, very good, very good. He created the heavens and the earth. So God decided in his wisdom and infinite perfection to create the universe. One of the things to understand is that God didn't create the universe because he was lonely, because he had perfect community within the Godhead. He didn't create the universe because he was bored. Uh, he didn't create the universe for any of those reasons. He created because he is loving God and he was creating something to display his glory and even to share his glory or to uh, reveal his glory to those who would know him. Um, so in Genesis 1, in the beginning, uh, this glorious universe, Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. That when he started creating, he started with this magnificent uh, authority and, and spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And, and he created this incredible vast universe. And all of it brings glory to him just by being there. Okay? Sometimes people wonder, why did God create the, this vast universe if we aren't going to explore it all? Well, that's a very man-centered thing to say. Um, even if we don't explore it all, it still glorifies God just by existing because it's so magnificent and so glorious. And um, so God created all things, brings glory to himself. Then he made all these living things, these things that breathed and lived and grew and had life in them. And he was glorified in that, in the plants and in the animals and all that he created. But then something special happened in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Could I have a volunteer read those two verses loud and proud like you mean it? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Okay, go ahead, Jason. Thank you. So God created human beings, and there's a distinctness of human beings over the rest of all this glorious creation. He gave, he gave them responsibility uh, to, to rule over and to take care of this universe, to represent God in this universe. He created the male and female in his image, which means that uh, uh, it, you may think, well, in his image, does that mean God has you know, eyes and a nose and mouth? But spirit so how's that in his image is really uh it really means that we can relate to him uh differently than anything else in creation we can we can be in a relationship with god 
where we are his worshipers and we are in relationship with him and we can share in that perfect community that he already had. So um, it's really special being a human being. Good job, everyone. Um, you're a human being. It's really awesome to be a human being. Uh, you're made in the image of God, male and female. God has created you with purpose, uh, different and distinct from all of creation. Uh, so quickly, uh, you, I'm sure you've heard of uh, what happened in Genesis 3. Sin came into the world, broke that relationship, and this was a severe break of relationship between human beings and God. And we could no longer relate to him in this perfect closeness anymore because he, ha he was perfectly sinless and we could not relate to him that way. But the good news is God had a plan. And that's, that's something you can put a little note in. Uh, God always has a plan. So yes, humanity was broken in their relationship with God, their ability to worship, their ability to enjoy that fellowship that he has within himself. Uh, but he had a plan for that. In Exodus chapter 19, would you guys um, skip over? It's one more book to the right of Genesis. The next book is Exodus. Chapter 19, we're going to go to verses 5 and 6. And you may, um, you may be familiar that in Exodus 20 is when the Ten Commandments come, in, that God gives the Ten Commandments to his people. We're now in this time where there's this group of people called the Israelites, and God has some special promises for Israel. It's part of his plan of what he's doing through Israel. But here is a promise that God gives us a glimpse into the big picture before the law comes. This is important. God, even though the relationship is, is severed, the relationship is broken because of sin, God has a plan, and he gives us a glimpse into his big picture plan even without the law. Some people think that, well, the Old Testament, God said, you know, keep all the laws, and if you don't keep them, I'm going to kill you. And Like, they just think it's just about the, the law. But this is before the law, this is before the Ten Commandments, when God gives us a glimpse into what he's doing. Verses 5 and 6. Um, so God rescues Israel from slavery. You've probably heard of that before. He delivered Israel out of Egypt from slavery. And... Um, uh, were you volunteering, uh, Nate, to read verses 5 and 6? Yeah. Could you do that, please? All right, thank you very much. So what I want to highlight in that is that God had a plan to set apart a people for himself to be in, in a worship relationship with him. He, he tells him right here. This is even way before it happens. He says, okay, here's the plan. Um, uh, if you keep my covenant that I'm making with you, you shall be my treasured possession. Remember that phrase, treasured possession, even though all the earth is mine. You shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So he, these are great promises that he gives to Israel, that this is what I'm, I'm going to do for you. Holy nation, kingdom of priests, uh, treasured possession. Just kind of keep those phrases in the back of your mind. All right? Well, then we fast forward, and if you know the history, uh, Israel had a real hard time keeping their end of the bargain. They didn't keep their, 
their promises. They continued to sin. They continued to chase after the wrong gods. Uh, they worshiped false gods. They had, they had a lot of problems. And so this covenant, it didn't seem like it was going to get fulfilled until Jesus comes. And here's this, of course, Jesus coming into the world is a huge part of this story. He fulfills all of the covenant and the promises and everything. He keeps the law perfectly. And so when Jesus comes and fulfills everything that Israel was supposed to have been doing, and Jesus was Jewish, by the way, born into Israel, kept it all perfectly, then, the, then what he has done is he's fulfilled all of God's promises. So this big picture promise could be fulfilled. The big picture, again, is that God would have a people for himself who could live in a united, restored worship relationship with him. I got to keep going. Skip way ahead of 1 Peter chapter 2. Are you already? Oh, yeah, you had the, those up there. That's great. Very good. Uh, you have it already? You want to read it again? All right. This is going to be like deja vu because not only is Nate reading it, but you'll hear some words again. So go ahead, Nate. All right, so some of those phrases are repeated. Did you catch which ones from the Genesis? Which ones did you hear in both places? Which one, Aiden? Chosen people. Yeah, what else? A holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Um, It says in there a chosen race. I just want to be clear to you guys, this is not talking about race in in the terms of how we think about race because God is not addressing a racial group when he says this. He is saying this to those who put their faith in Christ. All people who put their faith in Christ. He says, you are, you're the fulfillment. You're the fulfillment of Exodus 19. This big picture thing that I was going to do. I was going to have people who could relate to me and worship. And he's saying here in 1 Peter, you guys are the fulfillment of something that I promised thousands of years before that. If I could just ask you guys to just soak that in for a little bit to think that you could be part of a fulfillment of a promise that God made thousands of years ago. And I'm not exaggerating. This is literally a promise that he would have a people set apart for himself who could live in a worship relationship with him. All right, so this is is a big deal. Um, And the purpose is given in 1 Peter. Uh, Who's got that still in front of them? What, what comes, it says, that you may what? What does it say, Delaney? You are a people. Yeah, that sounds like a purpose, right? That you may proclaim the excellencies of God who called you out of darkness and into, into light. So God has fulfilled this promise through Jesus and then to all those who put their faith in Jesus to be set apart for him, to worship him, to proclaim his excellencies, to proclaim his greatness. If you just proclaim how good God is, that's a part of fulfilling his promise from thousands of years ago. Because he has, he, this, is what, this is what God is doing. Uh, it's God's plan all along. 
um, in fact, Jesus, when he talks, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. One of his prayers when he was talking to the Father is he said, Father, I want those who will believe in me to enter into the same fellowship that you and I have. Let's think about that. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, eternal, perfect fellowship. Jesus prays that all those who would believe in him could be drawn in to have that restored fellowship the same way that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoy with one another. Uh, and in our case, as we wouldn't be gods like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be persons of the Trinity, but we would be in restored worship relationship with him. Let me just summarize what I've been saying so far. God is the one who's making worshipers. This is his plan, and it's a big plan. It's much, much bigger than we are. It's something that he started thousands of years ago before he even created the universe. It's something that he did when he uh, created the universe and made male and female so they could relate to him and worship. It, even though we threw it all away by sin, yeah, it, yeah dinosaurs are nothing. He, brought, he has this big picture plan of, of worshipers who would be in relationship with him. So we'll get to questions later, okay? All right, guys. So let's shift then. I got to get you to a definition. Let's talk about what is worship, because that's the title of tonight. I, I should get to that. What is worship? Uh, imagine with me if you could invite over some famous person to your house, and somebody said you can invite any famous person in the world to come over to your house for dinner. Think for a minute. Who would you invite? Um, okay, I'll ask a couple. Who would you invite? Brandon Carla, Brandon Carla. Okay, okay. Oh, alive or dead? Okay, yeah, good. Uh, I was thinking alive, but that's fine. Go ahead. Who would you say, alive or dead? Jesus. Okay, okay. Uh, wow! Well, thank you. Woo, woo, wee. who? Daniel. What's that? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I've had, plenty of, I've had plenty of suggestions, but let's just stick with your imagination. Back with me, back with me. So you're going to invite somebody over. Shh, shh, shh. You're going to invite them over. Think about how you might prepare for that. Uh, you're probably going to think about, think seriously about what you want to cook. You know, you're going to get some really good food. Uh, maybe your favorite or spend a little bit of extra money than normal. You're not going to pick up, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A on the way home, probably. You're probably going to get a really nice meal. You're probably going to clean the house. You're probably going to clean your room in case they want to look around and see where you live. You're probably going to clean the bathroom, you know, even if you're not asked to, because uh, you don't want a dirty bathroom with this person coming to your house, right? So you're going to go out of your way, spend some money, spend some time, spend some effort, because this person that's coming to your house, you, you feel like, well, they're, they're worthy of that, you know, right? They're, they're worth it. So this is what worship is. It comes from the word worth-ship. It comes from what something is worth to you. It's, um, and so if worship is offering, you can go to that next slide, Brandon, the, the worth-ship of God, like what is he worthy of, what is he worth, when you think about it, it's, it's everything, right? I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He's really worthy of everything, He's worthy of all of your life and, and much, much more than that. 
So worship is showing worthship. It's reverence and esteem and value, showing how much it's worth to you. But hear this, hear this sentence. Um, we as human beings are all created to be worshipers. That's part of God's design, because he created male and female to be in this relationship with him. We're all created to be worshipers. But if you don't worship God, guys, listen, listen. If you don't worship God, you will replace that with a worship of something else or someone else. Okay? We're all created. It's in our nature to be worshipers. If you don't worship God, you're going to replace it with something else to worship. Whatever that thing or, or person or value is to you that is the most important thing to you above anything else, you're going to worship that thing. And the way you worship it is by giving your devotion, your time, your effort to that. I had a friend in high school, and I, he, was a, he was a good friend of mine, but I realized pretty early on that the most important thing to him seemed to be popularity. Because he, he just really wanted the most popular guys in, in the school to like him. And he worked really hard to earn their approval. He was willing to sacrifice uh, money for that. He was willing to sacrifice his morals for that, his ethics, because sometimes he would do immoral things to get their approval. He, he elevated their approval. He just wanted to be in with the really popular guys. And it was like everything to him. And so that's a form of worship, the way that he, he made his decisions and spent his time, spent his money. He was always like kissing up to them and like trying to get over to get invited to their parties with them. And he just wanted to be one of those guys. Um, and by the way, I wasn't. So uh, he, he kind of didn't continue. Yeah, true story. Um, but that's what I mean by worship. Whatever you consider that most important thing in your life you're going to make decisions to, uh, to follow and to show it, how much it's worth to you uh, by what you do. Um, so whatever that thing is, that really is going to be what you worship, even if you're not aware of it. Whatever you think is the most important thing to you, that's going to be what you worship. Sometimes people worship themselves. Their self, you know, themselves are the most important thing in their life, or their comfort, or the or their popularity, or money, or uh, whatever. That, and the Bible calls that idolatry. It calls that having a false god. Um, sometimes people will actually worship other gods, false gods, gods that aren't real, um, but they conceive of them in their mind, and they decide to worship that. Okay, um, Your time, your attention, your money, your love, your obedience, your loyalty, your effort. You spend things on what you think is worth it. Uh, so that's really what worship is at a, at a simple way, in a simple sense. And, you know, that all seems fine. Everyone gets to decide what they worship or everyone has their own different value. But here's the thing. Whatever you worship demonstrates what you really trust. And whatever you trust is going to be what you obey, what you serve. Okay, I'll say that again. Whatever you're worshiping, that shows you what you really trust in. Like my, my friend, the thing he trusted in the most is being popular. He thought if he was popular, he would have everything he ever wanted. He just he elevated it like, a, like an idol. Whatever you worship will show what you trust, and what you trust is what you end up obeying or serving. And that all might seem fine and good for a little while, but whatever you serve, whatever you worship, eventually 
will be proven, proven for what it is. Um, whether it's money or status or beauty or success or pleasure or false gods or yourself, whatever it is that you're chasing over everything else, in the end, it'll be proven whether or not that was a good choice. Um, I, I'd rather you raise your hand to ask, okay? Can you raise your hand first? Uh, not yet. I'll call on you later. Okay. So in the end, it will be proven whether or not you made the right choice. So my friend who chased after popularity, maybe he'll even get that. But you know, at the end of his life, when his body breaks down and he's an old man and he's bedridden and he's waiting to pass away, what good is his popularity going to do for him then? Yeah? If you're chasing after money or status or your own self or you just want people to like you, uh, when you stand in front of God after you die, what good is it going to be to you then? So whatever you worship will be proven whether or not that was the right choice, the right thing to worship. So if God is real, if he is who he says he is, then the only worship that really makes sense now is to worship him. If God is real, and if he is who he says he is, if he is the creator of the universe, then the only worship that makes sense now is to worship him. Uh, for a definition of worship from the Bible, I want to I show you Romans 12.1. Um, let's see. Yeah, here's Romans 12.1 on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So here's, here's an essential bedrock uh, understanding of what worship is. It's when you recognize that God is worthy of everything, and what you offer to him in worship is yourself. Because you say, he's actually worth everything to me. Um, that's how you worship God. We'll get into more of what the details are, but that's what it means to worship God, is you, you give him uh, everything. Now, one quick um, comment here is, uh, what about music and worship? Because a lot of times people will talk about, uh, do you, did you like the, the worship at, at church? Um, and they're referring to the music. But sometimes, you know, worship isn't always music, and music isn't always worship. So can you do that next slide there, Brandon? So um, think about this. Is music more than worship, or is worship more than music, or are they the same? How many think it's the top one? Just raise your hand. Okay, how about the second one? And the third? Okay. Yeah, I would vote for that second one as well. Worship is more than just music. However, the Bible does talk about Christian worship being involving music a lot of the time. And there's some good reasons for that. Music, guys, can you stay with me? Music is a great teacher. Uh, the Bible says to, uh, to teach one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's a great way to teach, to teach others. Music involves all of us doing the same thing at the same time, which uh, demonstrates unity. Um, music is a, it, it, it involves all of who we are, our emotions and our voices and all of that. So I think this is a gift from God that, that uh, biblical worship will often involve music, but it's not equal. Uh, to music. A lot of times we worship in different ways uh, that are not musical. 
but here's uh, here's what I'll, here's what I want to say. Um, well, I, I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit. John chapter four. There was I want to tell you this one story about uh, Jesus, and then we'll wrap up and head to small groups. So, in John chapter four, Jesus met this woman that everyone knew she was not worthy to be talking to Jesus. She was of the wrong nationality. That is, she wasn't really Jewish. She was sinful. She had made a lot of sinful choices. She was kind of ostracized, not very popular. But it's amazing that Jesus sees her and he values her because he knows she's created in the image of God. And and he treats her with dignity and respect as he talks to this woman. And when he talks to her, um, he tells her this in John chapter 4. He says, I guess, I think I'm going to read it. John chapter 4, verse uh, 23. You all find it? So he's talking to her. He said, the hour is coming and it is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He gives this woman the the honor of telling her that this time is here now when God is is looking for true worshipers. And when, you, when it says God is seeking true worshipers, it doesn't mean he's looking for the people who measure up. It means that this is what God is doing. God is making true worshipers. And so he tells her, the true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In truth being, it has to be aligned with the reality of who God is. And Jesus was there, God in the flesh. And in spirit, meaning it's that he was referring to that restored spiritual relationship that was broken with sin in the world. So with Jesus taking away that broken relationship, the opportunity for a restored relationship of worship was possible. God the Father is seeking those who are true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people. So if that's what the Father is seeking, wouldn't it be great to know that you're one of them, you know? Wouldn't that be awesome to think God the Father, he's seeking to do something in me. Um, In fact, what he can do, what he's able to do is to make you a true worshiper. One more slide here for you. We do not make ourselves... Oh, sorry, I just read that. Next one. Uh, God is the initiator of worship. We do not make ourselves true worshipers. God is the one who makes us worshipers. And then we respond to him in worship. This is what it means the Father is seeking. This is what he's seeking to do, is to make true worshipers those who are able to worship in spirit and in truth. So uh, that's a lot of the kind of foundation of what worship is. It's giving God what he is worth. And really the offering of what he's worth is everything. And so as an individual worshiper, you offer him yourself as an act of worship. Uh, But the only way you can worship in spirit and truth is if God restores that relationship between you and him through Jesus Christ. Once that happens, once all your sins are atoned for and taken care of, you can be a worshiper of God uh, 
and and I want to look into next week what exactly does that mean? How does that play out uh, in our lives? Is there a right way to worship God? Um, you might have questions about Old Testament worship. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. Like, why do they kill all those animals? Like, what does blood have to do with worship? It has a lot to do with worship. We'll talk about that. Um, but don't worry, we won't be reinstituting that, just in case. But it'd be dramatic, wouldn't it? But we're not doing that. So um, let, me, let me pray, and then uh, you guys have some discussion with your small, small groups. Um, I encourage you to really engage in that discussion and, uh, and try to help the group uh, listen to one another and how you can uh, uh, process these ideas. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, making true worshipers, those who um, can be restored to you because of Christ and, re- and called into a fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with all our sins gone and washed away and taken care of once and for all, so we don't have to ignore them, um, but we can actually have them taken care of in Christ so that we can be restored to you and we can offer our lives to you in worship. I pray that every time we sing a song, it would be much more than a song, a a song of worship. It would be about us offering ourselves to you um, again. I pray you continue to call us to be your worshipers. Uh, Thank you that that is what you're setting out to do. We pray that your your promise, your plan that you set in, in motion thousands of years ago, Uh, Lord, that it would come to pass, all of it would be fulfilled, and that we could be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks, guys.